Welcome to Market Scale Transportation. I'm your host, Sean Heath. You know, metaphors are a really interesting figure of speech. Some of them are extremely accurate. One that I really like is the phrase supply chain, because it gives you a visual image of a process in a way that's really easy to understand. It's very descriptive. However, there is one misconception that I feel happens when people use the phrase supply chain. They only think it applies to the point from when something is shipped and leaves a facility to when it arrives at its destination. Well, my guest today knows that the supply chain actually extends a lot further in both directions of that transaction, and that is Adam Robinson. Adam is, of course, the marketing manager for Ceresis. Adam, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Sean. So let's talk about about that concept. The fact that the supply chain is a lot more intricate than just from the moment a package leaves the facility until it arrives safely at its destination. First, let's talk about the extension of that chain on either side and how important it is to really know where the chain starts and where the chain really ends. Yeah, you know, and just for reference, transportation costs make up a roughly a 8.9 or let's round it up to 9% of all gross domestic product here in America. So you're absolutely right. It doesn't end, uh, you know, when it gets at the facility uh, from manufacturer to maybe distributor, you know, and as you mentioned, there's inbound logistics to where manufacturers need to receive product. Maybe it's steel in order to produce whatever widget they're making. And they also have to have a good outbound logistics or transportation management process to get their freight or their shipment to their customers on time and both of those are increasingly much more difficult to manage and uh, like the gdp uh, if you can decrease the gdp of transportation percentage uh, in your own business if you can decrease your transportation cost it's a lot like reducing your electricity cost it goes right to your bottom line and allows for a healthier ebitda one of the things that, that I found really interesting about what you just said is uh, how difficult it is becoming to manage this process. I thought advancements in technology were supposed to help simplify the process. It doesn't seem like that's exactly what's happening. Well, you know, technology is increasingly being adopted in the supply chain space at large. And I think, unfortunately, it's really in the warehouse management space where there are some huge tier one WMS providers like the Manhattan Associates or the JDAs or the high jumps of the world that are, you know, increasingly allowing major retailers or even smaller retailers and smaller manufacturers to manage their warehouses really, really effectively. And in fact, if you look at the robotics movement, it's all centered on the warehouse. But when it comes to transportation, there's this thing called the human element that tends to get in the way. And what we fall back on in such human processes where uh, a shipper is at the center on the inbound side, they're talking to vendors, and then to get their stuff, they're talking to carriers. On the outbound side, they're talking to customers, and again, talking to carriers in order to get that effectively shipped to their customers. And, oh yeah, let's insert uh, a third-party logistics company, like our company, Saracis, who's going to help maybe manage that. And so that amount of people and those amount of processes seem ripe for good technology. But the problem is, there are so many. And there are so many people that it's hard to create 
a fundamental standardized process and then apply technology to it. Because just like Bill Gates once said, if you apply technology to a company, it's going to do one of two things. If fundamental processes are sound, you're going to be super effective and get a great return on your investment in that platform. If your fundamentals and your underlying processes are fragmented or not standardized and not sound, all that technology is going to do is highlight where your inefficiencies occur. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but in transportation, we're still only seeing about 40% adoption rates because I think some folks tend to see change as very scary and that change will only result in more problems. And just like I said in the beginning, if problems mean more money spent on transportation, it can hurt your bottom line. I'm really curious about the human element in the chain. It seems as if the real bottleneck for human error would be first mile, last mile, and the things in between we can get automated and and pretty standardized. Is that an accurate assumption? Yeah, and increasingly more accurate. Uh, in fact, uh, we're in the current uh, we're in the middle of a current series on Aceris' blog around less than truckload shipping. You know, 20 years ago when we launched our web-based transportation management system, we were really only focused on that surface mode. Now, naturally, over 20 years, as freight profiles have changed, uh, thanks to today's e-commerce-driven mindset, uh, what ends up happening is that a lot of these LTL shippers or manufacturers are now going direct to consumer. So let's think about uh, a couch manufacturer as an example you know for years they've relied on uh, you know whether it's a rooms to go or an Ashley furniture as their main source of reaching customers and getting that product to customers it was still an LTL shipment it went from the manufacturers facility you know to the retailers dock or the retailers distribution center who then took it to the the brick-and-mortar store however uh, and you're seeing this a lot in the mattress sector of course uh, mattress firms just went bankrupt, is closing 300 stores. Casper is eating their lunch. Ironically, Casper is now opening up their own stores. But what that tells us in the marketplace is that manufacturers need to figure out, okay, I no longer have the retailer who's setting this up and getting it to the customer. I have to do it. And so when you go from an LTL shipment, you've got to connect that then maybe at the LTL carrier's terminal to a specific and specialized last mile carrier who then has guys or gals on that that last mile truck who have white glove services who go in and take away your old mattress and put in your new mattress which is called room of choice uh, so what's happening really is we're actually introducing even more people into the equation and that is definitely evident as ltl goes to that last mile and white glove service uh, options. Now, I know we're focusing on the transportation side generally in this podcast, but I want to ask you a question about the mattress firm closures. Is that a result of just really good marketing by Casper and, and mattress firm not realizing the need to change their game, or is it more product-based well, a mattress is a mattress is a mattress, and I think Casper's done a good job at marketing that they're somehow making them differently, but that's not really the truth. Uh, mattress Firm has those kinds of mattresses. They carry the best uh, products in the world. Now, 
when it comes to profitability or investment in your company where Mattress Firm and Sears uh, failed, and in Sears' case, Amazon won, or in Mattress Firm's case, the, the Caspers of the world are winning, uh, well, it's the omni-channel experience. Um, and so Sears didn't invest enough early on to understand that it's not that Amazon has cheaper or better products. Sears could get that too. It's that Amazon reduced overhead by having no brick and mortar stores. Same with Casper. Um, they also saw, okay, the way we're going to win is to get that product to the customer as soon as possible and that they have a really good shopping experience doing that and that they can do research from the comfort of their home. They can price compare. You know, They can easily get this in two to three days. They're not dealing with a salesperson. It's really a great experience. And I think Mattress Firm relied upon that whole showroom experience where it was like, okay, here's all of our beds. And you went into the store and you looked at them and you go, I don't know what the data is on this. I'm not gonna open up this tag and read it. But when you're at home in the comfort of your pajamas on a Saturday morning at 6 a.m. while the kids are sleeping and you're having your coffee, you can research the heck out of so many mattress options without ever going anywhere, and it can get delivered to you. So that shopping experience is probably why Casper has beat Mattress Firm, but it also says a lot about your financials, too. Um, mattress Firm it doesn't have to live on a margin. They've made the product. They have a higher margin because they're going direct to consumer. Mattress Firm was reliant too much upon other people's products, and they didn't have their own product. And so with that real estate uh, cost matched with not having investing in omni-channel and customer experience or having a product of their own that allows for those higher margins, you know, it's a tough world for those brick-and-mortar retailers to uh, survive today. It does seem that the retailer's choice today is evolution or extinction. Pick yep. one. That's 100% correct. And one of the processes that you have to embrace in all industries is the application of technology. Now, the challenge that technology advancements can bring to a supply chain are if you come up with a technology that increases one specific link in the chain and improves it dramatically, you're almost beholden to try and upgrade and strengthen the entire chain based on the capabilities of that new link or that new advancement. How much of a concern is that? You know, that is a concern, and that's why supply chain improvements can no longer happen in a silo. You can't look at your supply chain as individual functions. It's not just warehousing. It's not just a focus on transportation. It's not just a focus on carrier relations or vendor management. It's a focus on all of those things. You know, and I think what we're seeing, at least over the last half decade or so, is that universities and also larger companies and the industry at large are starting to understand how strategic the supply chain truly is. It, it used to be just a bunch of, you know, managers who reported to a director, but they kind of were left with their fiefdom and, you know, they were doing their best to, you know, maximize and optimize their individual silo. But companies are seeing that it is life or death if you can't be strategic and look at your supply chain holistically. And so we're graduating supply chain folks uh, from these major universities which is great. There's a focus on that. They're starting to see the importance of cross-collaboration between departments. They're looking at the data that they're receiving from either platforms or service providers, and they're seeing that holistically. And then those conversations are finally happening at the C-suite level. Uh, the 
CEOs, the CFOs, the CIOs, and the CTOs are starting to understand that their role in reducing transportation cost isn't just demanding that it happens, but being an active participant in their own success to really achieve the goals of either the shareholders or the private company owners and as they've stated them. They're bringing the supply chain directors in to say, your role is a part of this larger team to help reach our goals. As a holistic supply chain team with all of your players, what do you need in order to be successful for us to reach this stated EBITDA goal? And so he's that supply chain executive is no longer, you know, just demanding it of its people. They're bringing them involved and saying, tell me what you need and what what systems system wide we need to improve. And then they're saying, OK, let's integrate those systems so they can speak to each other. And so integration continues to become increasingly important to tie it all together. And then at the end of it. A, a nice platform or dashboard that gives you the visible data and actionable insights to continually improve and root out any inefficiencies, which all result in a more cohesive strategic supply chain to reach the stated goals of the company. Well, the human element starts to learn and evolve and understand the, the new approaches that will help bring them success. But there's another part of the system that is going to start learning at an exponential rate, and that's the AI and the machine learning that's going to to burst onto the scene within the next, I don't know, 10 years, probably, maybe five. And I know that's something that you're really keeping your eye on. Talk to me a little bit about what kind of changes machine learning and AI can have on something as simple as, uh, I don't know, as uh, setting up connections or, or helping... Uh, book freight or finding trucks what are we looking at yeah you know i mean a lot of these systems including ours are you know fields that you fill out or you make uh certain business rules and you hope that your people follow them or common errors continue to happen common uh class issues where you you pick the wrong class and the carriers reclassing you which adds a variance to what you thought you were going to pay and then you uh, realize, oh my goodness, I might have errors, so therefore I have to have an auditing process to make sure that the invoice is matched, and then I have to have a process that goes out to the carrier in order to explain, oh no, no, I'm right and you're wrong, or uh, you know, you might have issues in the way that you've selected accessorials and you you f- you forgot to, and therefore you got charged a lift gate, so you're you get an extra twenty five dollars you didn't expect, uh, or that you told your financial manager was going to be there, and at the end of the day they say, hey, these costs are eighty percent higher than what you told me it was, all because of human error, and. You know, those are simple things that uh, machine learning and, and algorithms and AI can can help alleviate and catch and continue to fix uh, automatically without you having to be a part of it, which then allows you to do the soft skill things, stay strategic in order to continually improve. Because you may uncover through, you know, machine learning that you're more efficient, but you found out that, oh, yeah. I still have to create a carrier database and that requires me going out to the carriers and establishing meetings and having good relationships so they get to know the unique characteristics of my freight and that we can build better contracts we can build uh better data that has 
more integrity so that when I do go to the carriers or when I go to my vendors and I have these conversations to improve relations with them, it's all from a point of shared truth because the data is accurate, the processes are accurate, and you can trust that you're all on the same page so you can state each player's goals in that process and achieve more in that collaboration because you're not worried about anecdotes or blame or saying it's your fault because it's easy to pit someone against each other when you don't have the shared truth of data. So that's what machine learning and AI will do. It will also allow you to make better decisions moving forward, get more tapped into the real marketplace. It will allow carriers to have more real-time pricing, sort of like the stock market in a way, instead of maybe rates that were contracted rates that you established eight months ago that just don't seem correct today. Um, so a lot of that machine learning and AI based algorithm stuff will, will allow us to be more real time and more accurate in our pricing, which then again, leads credence to trust, uh, and operating off the, the same, uh, set of data. Well, we started off the podcast today talking about a metaphor and I want to end the podcast talking about another metaphor. Uh, and it seems to me a logical end to talk about the end of the supply chain and a part that you're really working on with a process you have called the Ceresis Rater. And that is the white glove capabilities at the end of the last mile. Talk to me about how Ceresis Rater is addressing the white glove feature. Yeah, you know, and there's uh, right now, there's really not anything in the marketplace that is fully connecting from that inbound side all the way down to that that last mile, last yard, and white glove capabilities. And at the same time, there haven't been many tools for these larger freight shippers to also effectively deliver a great experience, not only in shopping, but the shipment arrangement of maybe some B2B buyers who are buying regular freight who have wanted to have it be more efficient by going to an online shopping cart. So we kind of bring all of that together. Now, uh, we're currently in development to finalize the last mile and white glove capability in our Raider, but we're, we're close to being final with it. Um, no pun intended on that final mile aspect, but what that will mean is that companies like say, uh, a Wayfair who's owned by Walmart as an example, uh, they're really into the home goods service, and, and Walmart's put a lot of money into Wayfair. And if we go back to that couch situation, you know, Wayfair doesn't just have necessarily, or Walmart as a larger company, only online shipments. They have so many modes of shipping going on. They have so many carriers in their database who have different service levels to meet different things that the overall corporation of Walmart is trying to achieve. And within one system for surface freight from inbound and vendor management all the way down to that last mile and white glove, that's pretty powerful for a Walmart executive to look into that system and say, I have 8 billion shipments going on, you know, 20% are in LTL, 40% are in parcel, I have volume freight over here is 20%, here's full truckload and 30%, and oh yeah, all my shipments are easily being handled and, and being delivered and set up in my customers' rooms, and, and, uh, and they're happy, and the experience with Walmart is amazing. And that's how a, 
you know, a company like Walmart can stave off the reality that Sears is facing today against the big, you know, gorilla in the game, the 800-pound gorilla, Amazon, because they're going to recreate that through service providers or on their own in order to compete with Amazon. But guess what? We're not all Walmart. We're not all Amazon. There's regular everyday shippers out there who are looking to get a piece of that pie as well. And they need a resource that can allow them to compete. And it is in that holistic system from inbound to outbound to last mile and white glove that you can bring back the customer experience that you expect from your company so that customers believe more in your company, believe more in your brand, and are confident that they're going to get their products just exactly as you sold it. That's how you take some of that market share away and don't face the realities that a mattress firm and Sears are facing today. And one of the things I always think about, you know, my kids loved going to the zoo when they were younger. We would go all the time. Uh, and, you know, then we've done nature preserves. And one thing I've always found interesting is that, yes, there is a, a large 800-pound gorilla in the room in Amazon, but you don't have to stay in the same enclosure as Amazon. You can be in the one <laughs> next to Amazon and you can carve out a really nice lifetime revenue value and you never have to fight that big gorilla directly. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and there's a lot of money out there to be had and uh, it's to be had. And those who invest in technology, stay strategic and have these conversations at the C-suite and align the right platforms to the stated goals of the company, those, those are the companies that will continue to be fat and happy with the available money that is out there. Well, today it's been my pleasure to have a conversation with Adam Robinson, the marketing manager for Saracis. Adam, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the conversation. Thanks for having me, Sean. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.